Today, I want to talk to you about how to respond to evil. Evil is real. We know its presence in our lives. We see it on the news. We hear of unspeakable evil being committed every day. And evil lurks in our own hearts. It lies within each of us. There's a famous phrase, I'm sure many of you, if not all, have heard. And it says, The only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. No one actually knows who originally said it. It's been misquoted a few times. But it has a ring of truth about it, doesn't it? It says the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. That is, evil will triumph if we all turn a blind eye to it. And on this Remembrance Sunday, we remember those who lost their lives to fight evil. As a nation, we've had to fight uh, threats from overseas and to uphold freedom throughout the years, over decades, over centuries. In World War I, almost 900,000 British troops lost their lives. 6% of the adult male population. In World War II, almost 400,000. Thousands of civilians also lost their lives due to the bombing. Um, Ukraine has currently lost almost 70,000 soldiers. What if evil triumphs? What if nationally we just pursued peace with the Nazis or we'd lost the war? What if Putin wins in Ukraine? What if evil triumphs around the world and in our day-to-day interactions? Well, let's have a look at God's response to evil. We're turning to Revelation chapter 20. Just at the end of the Bible, page 1250. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, holding in his hand the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain. And he seized the dragon, that ancient serpent who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years, and threw him into the pit and shut it, and sealed it over him so that he might not deceive the nations any longer until the thousand years were ended. After that, he must be released for a a little while. Then I saw thrones, and seated on them were those to whom the authority to judge was committed. And I saw the souls of those who'd been beheaded for the testimony of Jesus and for the word of God. And those who had not worshipped the beast or its image and had not received its mark on their foreheads or their hands. They came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were ended. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is the one who shares in the first resurrection. Over such the second death has no power, but they will be priests of God and of Christ, and they will reign with him for a thousand years. And when the thousand years are ended, Satan will be released from his prison And will come out to deceive the nations that are at the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather gather them for battle. Their number is like the sand of the sea. And they marched up over the broad plain of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city. But fire came down from heaven and consumed them. And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur, where the beast and the false prophet were. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. 
Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. From his presence, earth and sky fled away and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each of them, according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. That is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Shall we pray? Father, I pray that you'd open our minds and our hearts to take to heart what you've got to speak, what you want to say to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. From this passage, we see that Jesus will defeat and judge evil. Firstly, Jesus will defeat evil. We might have some slides going up in a sec. Jesus will defeat evil. Remember that quote, the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. Well, Jesus has done something. He doesn't let evil triumph. He has done something. And his response is to destroy the source of evil, the devil. Look with me at verse 1. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, holding in his hand the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain. And he seized the dragon, that ancient serpent, who is the devil and Satan. And he bound him for a thousand years and threw him into the pit and shut it and sealed it over him. One of the great stories that we love, whether we watch it on a, in a movie or we read about it, is the plot is called Overcoming the Monster. Here's a monster. And uh, a lot of these great stories are overcoming the monster. Think of Jaws. Think of Jack and the Beanstalk. Think James Bond. There's always a villain, a monster that is to be destroyed. And the hero has to escape the clutches of death and defeat this monster. They always get it, don't they? They always defeat the monster. And Jesus has destroyed the ultimate monster, the devil. John calls him the dragon. He says that ancient, verse 2, that ancient serpent. And a war was started right at the beginning of the Bible. You know the story. Genesis chapter 3. A war was started between humanity and the serpent, between humanity and the devil. And ever since then, we've been waiting for someone who's going to crush that serpent, who's going to slay that dragon. And on the cross, Jesus bound the devil. Through his death, he's defeated the evil one. It was sealed through his resurrection. And it's like all those monster destructions are rolled into one at the cross. He disarmed the devil. He gave him the fatal wound when he died on the cross. But the devil's only been bound. John says he's been bound for a thousand years. Look at verse 2. And he bound him for a thousand years. Thousand years is, um, I don't think it's a literal thousand years. I think thousand years is like Bible code for a long time. Because a thousand years is a long time, right? So Satan has been bound for a long time. Since the death and resurrection of Jesus, he's had limited power. 
But he's going to unleash a final bit of fury for a little while, it says. He must, at the end of verse 3, after that, he must be released for a little while. We live in between two victories. Um, if you cast your mind back to World War II, you had the Allies. They had to get a serious victory to de- defeat the Nazis. And so they had that huge invasion of the beaches of Normandy, largest sea invasion onto land ever. And when they landed on the beaches uh, in Normandy, June, D-Day, June 1944, they dealt a fatal blow on the Nazis and their regime. But it actually took the mopping up operation for a whole year, and there were still ongoing fights before VE Day, Victory in Europe Day, a year later, 1945. And Jesus defeated the, the devil at the cross. But we're in, as it were, the mopping up operation when he will be finally defeated at the end. And that understanding those, we stand in, in between those two helps us understand why evil still exists in the world around us today. Evil hasn't been fully defeated, but it's had a fatal blow to it. Jesus will fully, finally defeat Satan in a great last battle. And when that happens, he'll be sent to hell. Verse 7, look with me. When the thousand years are ended, Satan will be released from his prison and will come out to deceive the nations that are at the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them for battle. Their number is like the sand of the sea. And they marched up over the broad plain of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city. But fire came down from heaven and consumed them. And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet were, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Some Americans love to make movies of this sort of thing, like this huge battle at the end of time between uh, all the tyrants of the earth gathering together against God and his anointed and his people. We don't know when this is going to happen. We don't know how this is going to happen. But crucially, the outcome is that the devil will be, de- he'll be defeated. Jesus defeats the devil, and he's going to be thrown into a lake of fire and sulfur. It's the ultimate destruction of evil. Think St. George slaying the dragon, except that's fiction. This is nonfiction. And they're consigned to a place that's terrible. Let's just... Look at the description of it. It, This is the description of what the Bible calls hell. It'll be a lake of fire and sulfur. I saw a research paper this week, and um, there aren't many of them, but there are lakes of sulfur around the world. And you get them, you know a a volcano, you've got the crater with the magma, but you, you can have a lake of sulfur in that. I would not like to be in a volcano. Hell is also a place of torment. They will be tormented day and night. It's a place of pain, of misery, of anguish, of excruciation. And hell is eternal. It says they'll be tormented day and night forever and ever. It will go on. Hell won't stop. It'll go on and on and on and on. That is a good thing. Because we want evil to be dealt with finally. 
Jesus will finally defeat evil, full stop. Jesus will defeat evil. That means we can rejoice. That means you can be happy that your greatest foe will be destroyed. It means you can sleep well at night. Our son came to us the other night and he, he said, Mommy, I had a bad dream. Okay, come on then, into the bed. But it's only going to be a dream. All, that was only a dream for him. Jesus has destroyed our biggest enemy. Our real enemy will be destroyed. So Jesus will defeat evil. He will also judge evil. Jesus will judge evil. Apostle John tells us of this um, heavenly courtroom. He says, Then I saw a great white throne, verse 11, and him who was seated on it. From his presence earth and sky fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they'd done. John says we're all going to be judged by God one day. He says a great book is going to be opened. And it's going to have all our deeds written in that book. I was um, taking a wedding the other year. And I was waiting out the front of the church, waiting for the bride. And she was half Ghanaian and half German. And she was in the hotel, like 30 meters away, really close. And I thought, she's half German. She is going to be bang on time. In fact, she might even be early, and we'll just wait outside for a minute. But she, she wasn't on time. In fact, her half Ghanaian side was emerging that day. Um, you might have heard that I, a Nigerian friend says, you Brits keep the time, we have the time, he said. Anyway, it was one of those moments. She was being really late. And the cameraman had slipped a microphone on my, um, my lapel there because he was videoing everything. And I was about to really express my frustration because she was late. Why did, why did she need to be five, ten minutes late, 30 meters away? Anyway, I suddenly remembered you're being recorded. And I thought I really shouldn't actually express my frustration. We, lo- we had a great wedding. We laughed about it afterwards. Imagine if everything you've ever done or thought or said has been recorded and everyone gets to watch it. In fact, don't imagine... We're told it has been recorded in a very big book. It'll be a lot bigger than this book, I'm afraid. We'll all be held to account for what we've done. And this law court won't be like our earthly court cases. There'll be a judge, but no jury. There'll be a prosecution, but no defense. There'll be a sentence, but no appeal. Before God's perfect justice, we stand no chance. So people who commit atrocities and wars, they'll have to face an account for their actions. 
warmongering leaders who start conflicts will be held to account. And we will be held to account for the evil we've done. However, we're told that there's another book. He wrote about two books in that vision. This book is called The Book of Life. And in this book, there's a record of the names of everyone who's trusted in Jesus Christ. It's not a list of people who've done it perfectly. It's not a book of people who've got things right all the time. But it's a book of people who trusted in a Savior who is perfect. It's a book of people who didn't stand a chance except for the kindness and mercy of God. It's a book of names of people who trusted in a dragon slayer who defeated the dragon when he died on a tree. And he escaped the clutches of death by rising from the dead. Now, if you look back at verse 15 with me, we're told this is a, it's a stark choice. And it's not shades of gray. I know we like shades of gray in society. In terms of eternal destinies, it's stark. It says, and if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. So we have a choice to make. We can make sure that we're in the book of life by trusting in the perfect Savior, who slayed our biggest enemy. Or we're consigned to the same fate as the dragon, that ancient serpent. Next week, we're going to look at the glorious future that awaits those who trusted in Jesus, those who trusted, whose names are in the book of life. Six years ago, I was um, commuting to work one morning. I used to we lived in Battersea, got the train up to Cambridge every day. And I'd left home that morning. Home was a safe place. We had two kids back then, not, not four. And there was lots of laughter in the house. We, it was a small house, a little flat, but it was cozy. And I got on my bike that morning and I cycled up all the way to King's Cross, got on the train and walked into the office uh, in Cambridge. And my colleague said to me, she said, as soon as I walked in, she said, have you heard about that fire in London? So I, uh, as you do, you log in to BBC, check out what's happening in the news. And there was a, a live story with a feed. And there was a tower block in North Kensington that was on fire. A residential block called Grenfell Tower, as we all know had been ablaze since 1 a.m. that morning. Seventy fire engines were gathering and trying to contain it. But they were struggling. Children were being dropped out onto mattresses. We remember those scenes. And people were wrapping wet jumpers and towels around their head and trying to escape the fire. They were struggling. Many died, some escaped, and many were injured as well. As I got on the train that morning, the evening standard said, 
death trap with this terrifying picture of the, the flames consuming that tower block. The metro the next morning said, Hell on earth. Wind forward a year, and I'm, uh, I was speaking at a church in North Kensington uh, one Sunday morning, and I'm on the bus from South, uh, sorry, from Shepherd's Bush just to get to, to the church. And I look out to, the, to my right in the bus. And I saw this terrifying sight of the charred remains of Grenfell Tower. And it's horrific. It's not just a headline I'm thinking. This is an actual place where lives were lost. Home wasn't safe that day. It wasn't a jolly place. There wasn't laughter in a blazing fire. Many people didn't live to see another day. And the reality of hell hit home for me that day. Jesus will defeat the devil and he's going to put him in hell, which is good. But it's also the terrible end for those whose names are not in the book of life. Unlike Grenfell, the fires of hell won't be stopped. Unlike Grenfell, there won't be innocent people destroyed by fire. Unlike Grenfell, there won't be lucky escapes. So how do we live in light of this reality? Firstly, make sure you've trusted in Christ. If you don't know Jesus, I'm going to lead a simple prayer, and you could pray that prayer. Secondly, the gravity of the situation is... So serious, it's got implications for those we love and interact with. People need to hear about Jesus. So this Christmas, we've got loads of events that you can invite them to. Would you have the courage to invite your friends, neighbors, family to come and hear about Jesus Christ this Christmas? Their eternal destinies are bleak without Christ. Thirdly, maybe you're trifling with sin in your life. I've seen it in my own heart, and I've seen it in um, many friends. When we dabble with sin, our love towards Christ, and it, it can grow cold, and we can be hardened towards him and his love. Jesus says it's better for you to lose one part of your body than your whole body to go to hell. We need to take sin seriously in light of hell. Fourthly, let's pray for those who work against evil in society. Let's pray for judges, for police, for MPs, for the military. Finally, if we're following Jesus, I think it makes us really grateful to him, grateful that he has defeated our biggest enemy, that the victory he won at the cross and the empty tomb. Jesus will defeat and judge evil. Shall we pray? So I'm going to say a simple prayer if you'd like to. Maybe you haven't turned to Jesus in your heart yet. This is a simple prayer you could pray. Sorry, Lord Jesus, for my sin. All the bad stuff. All the, you know, the depths of our hearts. The evil. 
and we want to say sorry. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you that that account of my life and all the evil, it's like it's been taken away because of Jesus' perfection. Thank you for his death on the cross. And please forgive me. Please forgive me for, for all I've done wrong and fill me with your Holy Spirit. Amen. If you've prayed that prayer, come and see me after. I'd love to talk to you. And let's continue in prayer. Father, we want to thank you also for Jesus' amazing victory. He has defeated the devil. And he will consign him to hell. And we thank you for that. And I pray, Lord, that you would uh, bring many people to hear of you this Christmas. People who need to hear the love of Jesus, the dragon slayer, and find refuge in him. And that their names might be written in your book of life. For your glory we pray. Amen.